What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. All right, so we want to welcome everybody to this episode of the Niche Finder Framework. We have today uh, Dr. Yvette Young. Uh, that's right. She's passionate about kids' health. Uh, she's a servant leader. She's a mentor. She's a speaker. She's an all-around great individual when you get to know her. And we're so privileged to have her on the show today. I'll give you a little bit about her background, uh, just straight off of uh, the pages of LinkedIn. Uh, she is currently <laughs> the vice president of clinical operations for PM Pediatrics. She's been there for several years. And prior to that, she was a regional medical director, uh, medical director. And she also has uh, her stint of working in pediatric emergency medicine as an attending her fellowship training uh, at, as a pediatric uh, emergency medicine doctor at John Hopkins University. So she is more than qualified to be considered an expert. We're privileged to have her on the show. We just want to make her feel welcome to this episode of the Niche Finder Framework. Let's make her feel welcome. Dr. Yvette Young, welcome well, to the program. Thank you. Thank you for that phenomenal welcome, Cliff. I'm really happy uh, to be a part of the, of, of the podcast tonight. I really am. Well, I'm, I'm so excited. Every time I talk to you and we've shared about this offline, I always feel like you drop some nuggets of truth and, and I always feel like I should just be recording, you know, these conversations. So <laughs> now I finally get to hit record and, uh, got you right where I want you now. Uh, yeah. So. I, hope it's, I hope it's something good now because <laughs> I have no doubt. Uh, so, so, so tell me, tell the audience, uh, what do you consider to be your niche? Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, that the word niche is something that um, may evolve and may change in time. And, you know, for me, I am a pediatrician by training and, as you said, a pediatric emergency medicine physician. Um, and so uh, clinical medicine is at the core of who I am. And, and what I mean by that really is, is taking care of 
patient, taking care of children. Um, but when you're on that path for training to be a doctor, which, which by the way, has been something that I've wanted to be for a very long time since you know I was a, a, a teenager. I knew that I wanted to go into the field of medicine, um, and so you kind of you know have that path have that path outlined for you, and the sense of you understand that you have to do well in school, have an aptitude for certain types of um, you know fields and subjects such as math and science. You go on to college, do well, get into medical school. I mean, even at that point in time, once you're in medical school, really things become very easy because you can see a track before you of what people have done before. And so it is not at that point that you necessarily make up um, you know, your your career path. You you know what pediatrics looks like. You know, um, for me, it was a decision that I made because I, I really love kids. But you know that after the four years of medical school, you have to do a residency to train to become certified as a pediatrician or whatever whatever a specialty, um, whether it's internal medicine, um, you know, or whatever field you want to work in. And then you look at, you know, do I want to subspecialize? Do I want to go on for further training um, in that field of expertise? And so for a cardiologist, usually they start off as internal medicine physician and then they go on for a cardiology fellowship. Now for me in pediatrics, um, there are multiple specialties such as pediatric cardiology, pediatric intensive care, um, pediatric surgery. There are certain things you do. I chose um, emergency medicine because I love the thrill and I think that there's certain um, something about the adrenaline that you get um, from being in um, a an environment that can change on the dime. Um, mm. But there is a spectrum of care from the very well to you know those who are um, very ill and can be critical. Um, and so being able to um, really navigate through all of that um, was really something that attracted me. Um, but through that period of time of training and again the clinical landscape of understanding you either had a choice that you were going to be a doctor that worked um, in the hospital or had your own practice um, or you were going to go into research um, and that was really kind of the avenues um, and coming from academic centers um, in Baltimore and Washington these you know, kind of ivory towers, if you will, um, within um, this, the scope of medicine and prestige. Um, you know, I kind of understood what that looked like. Um, but fast forward, um, my family uh, dynamic changed. My husband's uh, job took us on a different path. And I had to make a decision about my career at that time. And um, I had to leave the academic world and the clinical world behind. I was, um, you know, I had really worked hard um, to be, um, you know, a pediatrician, but then also in the scope of um, an attending physician um, in a teaching hospital with faculty privileges at George Washington University. And so, um, you know, having the, those those positions um, really was something that was um, for a young physician in her career was something that um, you know I had worked really hard for and so um, I had to make a choice which 
um, I was glad to make for my family, but I had to leave the academic world behind to kind of follow my husband's um, job and his career, but then also raise my family. So at that time, um, what really happened and what transpired was, is that, you know, you never know uh, where your path may lead you. But I was um, I had landed a great position in a community hospital that was close to my home. And um, I got a glimpse of a different type of physician leader. Um, And that was a leader that. Um, really aligned well with the hospital administrators and really could navigate through the halls, if you will, of, um, you know, those in the C-suite of the hospital um, and really be on um, a playing field where, um, you know, what they were doing in the scope of the practice um, was you know, something that I had not seen before, had not really understood. And that was, you know, navigating kind of that business side of medicine. And so um, I had not had that role model before. um, And there were very few physician executives that I that I actually had seen um, previously. Um, And so um, that really was interesting to me and um, aligned well with my aspirations um, I then um, switched to uh, an outside company that I, you know, am currently working for, which is um, uh, Pediatric Urgent Care. And in that company, I really saw opportunity um, and really to align kind of my leadership uh, skill set um, and interest in business um, and the skills and scope of. I went back to get my master's in business and, you know, here I am. And so to answer your question now, a few minutes into it, I mean, I think that now I see myself as um, a physician executive um, in the scope of kind of understanding the economics of healthcare, understanding what it means when we say that the GDP, you know, healthcare is like 18% of the total GDP and how much we spend, um, you know, in this country um, and what that means in terms of um, how we have to really um, put resources to transform it um, because it's not sustainable. Um, And having physicians uh, at the core of the conversation is so important because it can't just be um, all about cost. It has to be about clinical medicine and clinical care. And so having people that understand and can bridge that um, I think it's so um, fundamental and, um, you know, to, you know, where we're going um, as a society and how we value um, the, you know, healthcare um, in our society. Mm. I love the fact that you just shared all of what you just shared. Uh, it just, it really speaks to an anonymous quote that I actually uh, was thinking about as you were talking. Uh, and it says, don't go where the path may lead go where there is no path and leave a trail mm-hmm. at the start of your journey what did you want to accomplish um i i wanted to be you know help people i mean i know that sounds a little cheesy and when people hear that they they kind of think oh well that's that's a lot of people but fundamentally i knew that um i could impact um uh, children's lives and the health of children. And so 
that's really what I wanted to accomplish. And that's what I set out to do when I went to medical school. You know, I, I knew that I wanted to be able to, you know, help those in need. And I could do that with having the, the skills of a physician. Um, and so that's really something that I, I, I know wholeheartedly, like that's the core of who I am. Um, and, you know, I think that's what centers me. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, another um, thing that I think that is really interesting, you know, with healthcare is the balancing act of being able to uh, have someone who is um, sensitive to how, you know, the fiduciary responsibility that they have to, to keep the doors open. But at the same time, they also have a clinical need. And sometimes what I've noticed from working in healthcare for well, 20 years now, um, that there are times where you may have a physician or a business leader who goes to a seminar and they get inspired and now they need to bring that that thing that shiny object back and 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 it becomes a must-have how do you navigate as a physician leader that balancing act of keeping the doors open and being responsible financially but at the same time catering to the physician needs um i think that you really have to make sure um and one of the advantages i will say is is as a physician you're often looked to as a leader in healthcare, and so you know that equips you really well with understanding Understanding um, what are some of the fun- fundamental uh, issues, challenges, um, you know that that we face, um, and so p- oftentimes, you know, when you're in that position, um, you can give insights um, with regards to the clinical scope. But I think that's what's really important is is that you know when you're bringing um, other. Um, you know, concerns with regards to related to cost or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. um, as you right. said, kind of fiduciary responsibility, um, you just have to make sure that you're doing enough to balance the needs um, and keeping the focus really revolving around, centered around care, right? And so quality being so very important um, in this conversation, like we have to make sure that we understand what that means and what that looks like. Um, Striving for, you know, uh, making sure that we understand also the importance of value, right? And because, um, you know, cost as, as much as we uh, want to believe um, that um, it's all driven um, with regards to just um, um, so I think that um, you know what looking at, um, you know, at as a physician leader you really have to make sure that you're looking at you know how that thing whatever that is you know is driving quality because that is so very important um, we have to balance um, you know kind of what what we look at in terms of quality, um, you know, the scope of, of care um, within our practice. Um, and um, when we talk about cost, um, you know, a lot of times people are not always looking at, you know, uh, balancing that with regards to kind of the quality of care that we're giving. So it's not always the shiniest object. There are some alternatives. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, oftentimes, especially um, in, in the scope of kind of um, the practice that you know i am in um we have to recognize that what now is driving healthcare, um, and this may be something that people feel is a little bit um contrary to maybe how they see it is um the idea of consumerism um in the sense that um 
you know, people often understand um, looking at industries, comparing them to other industries. And so mm. while we understand that healthcare in and of itself has been insulated and it's been really focused, one thing that we really have not seen is how patients see us as um, deliverers of a product. And that's the one area I think that we can do a much better job in as healthcare providers is just understanding um, that in the retail scope and in other industries, they're often ahead of healthcare. And so um, focusing on, you know, uh, what are some of the best practices from other industries and adopting them to healthcare, I think is really important. And so we can find probably some efficiencies in you know, practice models, um, mm -hmm. understanding, you know, how certain industries are able to do things really well um, and then apply it to healthcare. Um, and mm -hmm. then we will see that, you know, we'll be able to integrate, um, you know, some um, improvement in cost. So it's, it is an adaptation. And I think it mm -hmm. is going to be something that's going to take, you know, us still some time as healthcare leaders and providers. Um, but I do think that, um, having conversations around it and really understanding um, what's important um, is is key for us to delivering the you know the best care um, that people want and people now really expect. Uh, what type of external struggles did you have at the start of your journey? Um, I think the biggest um, external struggle was. Um, and, I, and it could be maybe also a little bit of internal. It's really a cut of creating a work-life balance. I, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but um, when we talk about being able to support what's important um, on a trajectory that has been really designed very well for men, um, in the field of medicine um, and support systems that are in place. Um, I think that um, a lot of attitudes, um, a lot of um, previous history of what a physician leader looks like um, becomes somewhat difficult to overcome. And so um, as you are making trade-offs and growing your family and really looking at support to uh, create the work-life work balance, that becomes a really difficult struggle. And I think for a lot of young physicians, especially female physicians, um, you often feel like you may not be at the same stage as your male peers because of the support that might exist within their home or you know, in other areas. Um, and expectations that are placed just on women um, to do what we need to do at home and still do it in the workplace and do it really well. Um, and so I think that that was something that was really difficult for me to overcome some of those barriers um, and expectations, right? Um, people didn't expect to see me um, in the position that I was in, you know, and being a little bit underestimated in terms of my ability and my drive and also my ambition. Um, so mm. that was something that I think I, I often had to struggle with is the um, perception that, you know, I probably 
shouldn't be as ambitious. I, I don't know, but I, I think that that was something that, you know, I often had to overcome. Explaining like that I am just as good and qualified and as eager to do X, Y, and Z. And this is my two, three, four, five year plan <laughs> and more mm-hmm. um, and outlining that. Well, whatever motivation that you had, uh, it, it ended up as vice president of clinical operations, but also a regional <laughs> medical director and medical director as part of your resume. So keep doing what you're doing. But I do appreciate what you're saying because I think it's so fascinating when I hear um, African-American women um, of high caliber, high capacity like yourself speak to or give voice to what it means to be the minority in the room, in the boardroom, being able to have influence. Uh, you know, it was, uh, I want to say a couple, about six weeks ago, maybe two, uh, two months ago that, um, there was a seminar that my, at, at my job uh, in the hospital, they had the chief, uh, diversity officer from a couple of different hospitals. And they also had a chief medical officer, all female, all African-Americans, all of them in, in C-suite type of positions and the type of racism that they said that they have to contend with not overt but it was giving voice to the pressure of being a representation of your gender of your race of just where you come from and and you know if you sneeze wrong it's just like oh man black women don't <laughs> they don't cover their mouth when they sneeze like you represent everything right and and i just i, I just appreciate the strength that um, someone like you has to uh, be up against an external struggle like that and and still uh, find you uh, find a way to plow through it and you know obviously it's favor and a number of things that's happening in this but uh, I appreciate your courage um, what Thank type you. of uh, what type of you know, my, my pleasure what type of epiphany uh, did you experience and what new opportunity did you discover from that event um You know, I I think that one of the biggest um, epiphanies I discovered was that oftentimes in a path and on your journey, and and like I said, you know, and from really um, as soon as you enter into medical school, often that path is kind of outlined for you. And it's like, you know, you have four years to do this and four years to do this and your training seems like it goes on and on, but it's a clear path. Um, When a door closes, or something changes, like a life event or whatever it may be, I think that the epiphany is, is that it often opens up another opportunity. And what you have to really be is open um, to to that opportunity. Um, Because once you walk through that new door, it's not necessarily bearing you off of your intended path. Right. It's it's giving you um, more insight and skill. um, And, you know, it may take a little bit more time for you to get there, um, but you still get there. And I I think that that's that was huge for me, um, you know, to also make sure that I I trust in, you know, myself in the process. But especially um, that, you know, some doors open and again, it's, it's a huge opportunity. And so you just need to kind of walk through that. Right. And understand mm. that at every at, at every point in your life, really, at every stage. 
Excellent. So this section, I appreciate you sharing uh, so many elements of your journey. There's many more questions that I want to ask, but I do want to get to the next section, which I call your niche. Uh, I'll preface <laughs> this section here um, with a quote by uh, some say is William Shakespeare. Some say is Pablo Picasso. I love it either way, regardless of who said it. It says the meaning of life is to find your, your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. And this here, I believe, are gifts that we have within us. And the, the first one is uh, purpose, um, passions, rather. Uh, what do you do or what do you have strong interest in? Second is purposeful. What do you do that feels meaningful to you? The third pattern. What do you do naturally well? The fourth is proficient. Uh, what activities have you learned to do over well over time? And the last one is problem solving. So we, if we go uh, back to the very beginning of this next section, what do you see uh, as being your passions? Um, so, you know, I think for me, passion is uh, fundamentally like what really drives you, right? Mm -hmm. What is it that you see, um, that without it, you not necessarily, it's, it's not going to define who you are, but you um, don't see that being that, that core of your being. And, and I have to really say that I am truly passionate about ensuring um, that children are healthy um, and doing everything that I can um, to make sure that um, I help families um, in caring for their children. And so when a child is ill um, and I have an anxious mom or anxious dad in front of me, um, you know, although I may not necessarily be able to tell them 100% that everything is okay, I think giving them the context and the understanding and my expertise of, yes, you know, I've seen this, and um, we're going to get through it um, and giving them, you know, the education um, and kind of being able to really uh, support, you know, what it is the, that they're going through. And so for me, that's really important in terms of that connectivity, because I think one of the things that's so important in understanding um, when you're helping people is just recognizing that what their struggle is, um, being able to see it through their lens mm -hmm. and offering, you know, what your part of it is, you know, my expertise as a doctor, I'm offering that, but then also being able to just understand, you know, where they're coming from, being able to understand, um, you know, that pain as a parent or that anxiety or that concern um, and not downplay it and not you know, um, be condescending in anything that I say, but really um, being empathetic um, and understanding kind of, you know, that we don't always come as best as we are when we have an anxious child or a child that's sick. Um, and so um, if I can care for, for, for them in that moment um, and help them, I think that that's, you know, that's still really important. Mm. Um, the other thing, oh, I'm sorry, the thing I'll say is, is that um, mm. one thing that has been really apparent too is a real understanding of, you know, children as 
you know, not little adults. So that's something that pediatricians often will say, you know, to to the world. I, I take care of children, but we can't just, you know, look at them just as little adults. You you can't extrapolate what struggles and challenges. Um, and fixes that we put um, in, you know, the adult world and adult me- medicine and or mental health, and then slap that onto a child and think it's going to fit. Mm-hmm. It is a specialty, and I consider myself as a specialist because um, you're providing care to um, a very different developmental age and. Um, you know, process and, and, and point in life. And so I think it's really important to understand that. And because of that, um, you know, we, we have to really advocate for them um, and make sure that, that their voice is heard um, in a world where often people don't take the importance of, of children's health and, and raise it to the same level as, you know, adult care. Um, and yeah. I think that, um, you know, Nelson Mandela says it, you know, it's the how, how you really measure a society is that by how they treat their children. Um, oh. And so I think that that's something important um, that, that, you know, that really kind of inspires me and is something that I I try to look at in terms of my, you know, my life's work. Mm. That response in and of itself, you talking about your passions. I'm about to say, look, I'm talking about, I, I got, I got to bring my four year old. We got a new pediatrician because <laughs> that's the kind of person that I want treating my family member. I, I love yeah. that. Uh, what do you do that feels purposeful? Um, you know, I, I think that, um, when you look at the things that you have, um, mastered um, you realize that in life that you there may be some things that you're really good at um, but what I recognize is is that I enjoy learning and for me I'm striving uh, to learn things that are new striving to constantly like, understand um, and align with, you know, my spiritual self and and what's important in my faith is extremely purposeful. Mm. Um, And so, um, you know, you can't disjoint and disconnect the two, you know, kind of your passions and purpose. Um, And so uh, being able to understand that, and that's probably one of the reasons that I you know, I have trained as long as I have, and I did go back to get a an MBA. And you know, I, I do enjoy learning, but I think it's just how I see um, you know growth really within me. You know, um, that that's really purposeful for me. Uh, what patterns do you have? What have you learned to do? Uh, what do what do you do naturally well? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think that. One of the things that I do well is, um, I alluded to, is, is being able to um, relate to people. And although I'm an introvert, I'm not an extrovert in the sense that I don't, I'm not, I never consider myself, you know, and I shouldn't put labels on people, but, you know, charismatic where I'm um, outwardly so. 
Um, but I think that there is an unspokenness about being able to connect to people and meet them where they are. And I think that's something that I've developed a skill to do. Um, and I recognize that, um, again, respect and dignity are so important to most to people in general. And that's one way to really connect um, to people. And so um, that, that, that's how I define, you know, myself and what I think yeah, I do really well. to do well over time. Yeah. So, um, you know, I uh, am a pediatrician. We, we talked in terms of that being the craft. But I think in terms of caring for children, one thing that I've been able to do well is um, identify kind of what's unspoken in the body language um, and um, kind of what's going on with the child. And I think that's after seeing, um, you know, lots of children over the years. Um, it's kind of that it's an instinctual thing. It's a conversation that oftentimes doctors and other healthcare providers will have with them amongst themselves and say there was something that may not have that may have been a little off or there may have been a little cue to give you insight um, to help you um, identify what's what was wrong with with your patient what was wrong with the child um, and that might just be because kids are very resilient oftentimes um, you don't always see what may be bothering them and they can't always speak or articulate it as well. And so you have to naturally be able to understand the, the body language, the, the again, the unspoken cues um, um, so that you can make sure that you're you're giving them the best care. Um, so that that's something that I think I really have tapped into um, and I lean on um, because the medicine is what I've learned, right? That's the, what I've built, the knowledge and understanding of years and years of practice. Um, but it's that pattern of being able to recognize. And it's that, you know, we'll say it's when you, you know that something's not right and um, you'll get cued to it very early on. Um, and you kind of will go into a, a different mode, um, you know, of how, the, how your approach is um, of caring for your, for your patient. Well, I think that's that in and of itself, I think, is 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 so, um, so relevant because I know my daughter's four years old now. And um, there are times where I mean, you kind of sense that there is something off when she's not feeling too well. But then next thing you know, she kind of jumped up and she's like running around and and, and, and all of that. And, and then she'll come back and you can kind of say like, oh, you know, my, my, my ear, my ear is hurting me. Right. And so, you know, I think the ability to be able to, to discern in that way is, uh, is a niche that, um, you know, many of us, we, we don't have. And that's why we need people like you, uh, to do what you do because it, it isn't what you have developed and has may have become instinctive for you. For us, we're oblivious to it. And so um, I, I would ask you now, what what problems do people come to you to solve? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think in the sense that I, I definitely will look at, um, you know, wearing a different hat right now um, as in the role of uh, leader. Um, now the big problem that we're facing and, you know, much of what 
um, has been the buzz in, in healthcare is how do we help um, our teens and how do we get people through crises, um, especially in the scope of uh, the pandemic and COVID? Um, how do we make sure that um, our colleagues, um, you know, the people around us are are doing well, you know, that we're really checking in. And so um, I think that's something that I have taken on myself to look for solutions um, within um, my organization, but not just that, but also for my patients and, um, you know, those young people that are struggling with you know, mental health posts, you know, COVID and, and grappling with adjusting um, and the children, you know, looking for resources to help them because that that's really, really a problem that, um, you know, I'm hope that I can uh, help and, and be more impactful um, in this journey, you know, post COVID. And so it's, you know, providing solutions for them to adjust, I think, um, in a world um, that has been really kind of turned upside down mm. and, and making sense for them, you know, of it. Mm. Thank you for that. So that was the niche section. This last lightning round that I have for you mm-hmm. is really just trying to get your secrets. Um, and one thing that I want you as you're speaking to me, I want you to actually speak to your younger self. And right before I get to the first question, I'll preface this section with this quote from Marianne Williamson that basically says, mm-hmm. you know, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fears is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. And yeah. so at the start of your journey, start of your journey, how how would you encourage yourself? What secret would you tell your younger self before you went into medical school, before you went into fellowship and became um, the pediatric uh, ER physician that you eventually became and then went on to leadership? What would you tell your your younger self that would help to accelerate them from where they are at that point to where you are now? Yeah, I, I think that... Um you know, while it is so important and key to grow and to attain knowledge um, and be on this constant path of striving to excellence, there's also a point in time where you just have to be willing to do do that thing. You know, do what it is that you're you're set out to do. Um, and so, um, while I have um, felt very much so. Um, Fortunate in a lot of ways of having the opportunities. I do think that um, at times I've allowed myself to stay in a comfort zone um, mm-hmm. because everything has has been kind of outlined. And although deviated, it kind of has been along the path that I knew I would end up. So you know, giving yourself an opportunity to step out of that um, and maybe even take more risks. You know, Mm. I I think that's probably something I would say to my younger self. Mm. It's interesting. And when I ask that question there, uh, I want to say about 70 to 80 percent. And I'm just kind of going off the top of my head. I think about 70 to 80 percent of people. um, One of the things they mentioned is just what you said is they, they would take more risk. 
Yeah, and this is this is it runs like throughout the the gambit of entrepreneur to you know a business person to as I hear now even in medicine that people are kind of feel that way. I just find that you know, pretty fascinating. Um, one question that I actually added to the list here is um, it has to do with uh, you know when you are trying to help someone, right? So you're now mm-hmm. a physician and they're looking to you for help. But but how do you how do you conjure the energy to help when you yourself feel like mm-hmm. you need to be helped? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I, I think that um, you know, in our training we often have to segment out um where we are emotionally attached to any situation. And so um, that it almost is like you are um, uh, in a state where you may have to let the processing or whatever it is that you're dealing with, um, you know, you have to let that go and muster enough focus um, so that you can um, do the task at hand, which is care for those who are in need and those who are in front of you. Um, I think that in uh, you know formal training there really were no real uh outlets that allowed healthcare providers to cope in a way um where we could have time to really understand um the stressors that were involved in the day-to-day um and be able to really um focus um within Uh, to find the courage really to be able to say, while it's important to care for others, it's also really important to care for myself and have that well-being for me. And so it's not in conflict at all. Um, And I've become much better at understanding that um, over the years, but especially post-COVID where um, we were really forced to do so. Um, Because without doing that, I I don't think that many people would have been able to continue, um, you know, in in the in the path that that I currently work in, um, which is taking care of patients and some with, you know, that have COVID. So Hmm. what secrets do you have to staying consistent? Um, I absolutely, as I alluded to, I I definitely um, focus on um kind of centering myself, um, you know, through faith, but um, making sure that I am just really expressing gratitude is so important and um, finding the joy really in so many circumstances. And so um, it's really important for me that, you know, despite um, what sometimes may seem like a setback, um, that you really have to trust in the process. And although failure may look like failure, oftentimes mm-hmm. it actually may be an opportunity really um, for you to grow. Um, mm-hmm. And then just surrounding yourself with people who are positive, um, who are uplifting, um, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, Whitney Young Jr., a civil rights uh, leader, actually has a great quote. And she says, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have one and not be prepared. Uh, If you were speaking to your younger self, uh, what obstacle would you uh, best prepare your younger self for that would help get you to where you are today? Um, 
I, I really have to say, and I come back to this, is being able to understand what work-life balance means and um, be very courageous to know that, you know, as a female, a, a Black woman in medicine with a family who is very ambitious on a path, that your timeline may not look like someone else's. And so, um, you know, you, you really have to be able to understand that um, so that, um, you know, what you might see and, and what society may say is what, what they expect from you. Um, you know, that's not really what you expect from yourself. And so, but having a balance with it, um, so it's not driving you to a point where, um, you know, you really are feeling uh, as if you could potentially become burned out. Um, it's really mm. important to have that work-life balance. Mm. Uh, last two questions that I have for you. Um, how do you know when it's time to change course versus staying focused on your goal? Uh Again, I, I think that you have to um, understand um, where opportunity may exist and pivot um, and risk and and change. Um, and um, knowing that um, the path that you focused on and you know what it is that you're looking to do, um, if there is a pivot or if there's a change in that in, in that road, um, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily not going to be able to make it to the ultimate goal. Um, but I, again, I really look at um, the opportunities that um, have always been in front of me as um, a cue um, to kind of step through another door and really step out on faith. Um, and so I, I think that that's been really important um, for me in terms of kind of that true North Star of, you know, when um, I should consider, you know, taking a little bit more, like I said, of a risk or um, looking at another path. Hmm. Uh, what action item, last question for you, would you give to our niche finder community that you feel is a must have? Yeah, I I think you have to really um, be courageous as well as um, making sure that you're uh, being patient with your process and growth. Um, you know, the courage and just doing what it is that you set out to do is so important. And again, taking those risks um, and um, getting a little bit out of your comfort zone is really key. Um, but the other thing is really being patient as you kind of stumble a little bit um, on your path um, because uh, everyone, you know, needs room to grow and they need the grace to grow into that, right? And so I think that's really important, um, you know, for for those listening to understand that you have to give yourself the grace and the patience to grow. Mm, love it. 
uh, Winston Churchill, I, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, uh, says something that really complements what you're saying right now. He says success consists of going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Today, I really appreciate Dr. Young for sharing such words of wisdom. You know, quite often we have experts that's on a show and they can get to the heart of the matter. And I think what I found um, really interesting about our conversation is that you actually got to the heart of what your niche is and, and why that's important. And you really gave voice to that. And uh, I, I appreciate the fact that someone like you, no matter what room you walk into, if it's a crowded room, you instantly become a resource right and somebody somebody passes out yeah. somebody says is there a doctor in the house instantly lights camera action you are on it <laughs> so you know i appreciate i i understand mm, I, I i don't fully understand the weight of uh, a mantle like that is but i do appreciate that someone like you decided to carry it well, thank, thank you. you no, yeah. thank you very much. I've actually really enjoyed this. And thank you so much for having me on the Niche Podcast, <laughs> uh, you know, Finders Podcast. I really do. I appreciate it's it. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. If someone wanted to get, get, wanted to get in contact with you, how can they best reach you? Yeah, so I'm actually on LinkedIn um, and on other social media platforms. But um, if you would like to get in contact with me, please, you know, uh, seek me out on link- LinkedIn. I, I, I would be glad to connect. All right. And that is Dr. Yvette Young, MD, MBA, and all <laughs> things wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show today. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, you know, for for us, our motto is: if innovative change is an is an engine, then your dream and ability could be its fuel. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us on dreamoctane.org. Remember to follow us, pass us on to your community. If you if you like what you're hearing, if you like what's being shared, share it. And hopefully it can be some inspiration to someone else who is at the beginning of a journey of one of our experts, uh, like Dr. Young, who we were fortunate to have on our program today. We do appreciate all that you are trying to do and striving. If you're listening, it tells me that you are in a posture of learning and we're just here to just try to add value. So we thank you for your time and we just look forward to the next time that we have another expert on the show and we can share even more material on how to find, discover, develop and deliver the niche that you have within you. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you on the other side at the next episode. Thanks again. Thank you, Doc. Thank you.